This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I now am going to interview my longtime friend, Bill O'Reilly. As you know, there isn't a 20-minute span that goes by that he doesn't write another killing book. This is his 12th or 13th or 700th. I don't know what, but he's always killing somebody. However, he isn't killing me. So I am now going to introduce my next guest is Bill O'Reilly. 15 minutes have now passed. So it's time for another Bill O'Reilly book because he writes one every hour and a half. This is his 12th. It's out this week. It's called Killing the Legends, The Lethal Danger of Celebrity. What does that mean? You know what it means. You've been in the business longer than anybody else. Watch you know. yourself, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know how dangerous it is. So the reason I wrote about uh, this social history is because people, Americans, they don't understand that not only were Elvis Presley, John Lennon, and Muhammad Ali titans in the entertainment and sports world, but they changed American culture. And as a historian, I'm always looking at how we live now and how people in the past influenced that. And all three of these people did. They changed the whole landscape of the country. But the lethal danger of celebrity applies to any famous person now. You can't go out of your house. You're on a camera, a phone, cell phone camera. You walk out of your house, somebody's recording you. Um, people feel that you're a thing, not a person. They can uh, cut you up in the press, on social media. They can say horrible things about you. Um, you know, if you are going to go into this area, you are going to get attacked. And I don't know how many people understand the intensity of that. In the old days, people hid stuff. Nobody exposed a JFK's lifestyle or some of the bad boy movie stars like I remember an Errol Flynn. He had levels of protection years ago old timers were just boozers is that why they were safe and they're they're not safe today because we didn't have all this well it was a different world then and the uh corresponding uh press basically in the entertainment industry did what it was told to do i mean there were people who were feared like hedda hopper a big columnist who could make or break a career but the uh, studio heads, they basically said, look, if you say something bad about Rock Hudson, because everybody knew he was gay in the 1950s, you write that, we'll make sure that you never get another interview in your life. Yeah. And as far as JFK is concerned, I mean, you had the editor-in-chief of the Washington Post, Ben Bradley, going out on sailboats with the man. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was corruption across the board. And it was no problem to protect people who were doing things that were, I don't know, immoral. Is that the word? 
It's a good um, word, yeah. Whether you were taking narcotics or, or drinking to excess, I mean, they wouldn't bother with that. Now, went, go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, I went to one. I went to a party once in Hollywood, and I was sitting next to Shirley MacLaine, and there were people. She was okay, but there were people putting their hands in a, a in a big bowl, and I thought it was just candy. I don't think it was candy. They were helping themselves to pellets. They were helping themselves to pellets. And then one other thing, I was married to a comedian named Joey Adams. His first wife, and Walter Winchell's wife were sisters. Now, in the days of Walter Winchell, he could make or break a president, is what he said to us. Sure. Walter Winchell was one of the most powerful people in the United States because he had the radio mic and the newspaper. Um, and these people knew it. And they were running all kinds of games. But now what's happened in the social media world is that Tearing up a celebrity, destroying a person, and it could be a politician as well. It could happen to Brett Kavanaugh. Um, it's yeah. a blood sport. Yeah, it's a blood yeah. sport. So every allegation is a conviction. Every accusation. Where's the due process on page one? Doesn't matter whether you did it or not. Doesn't matter. And and evil people know that. Which is why our leadership, political leadership in this country, is weak. Because good, strong, honest people know not only are they going to get attacked, but their family's going to get torn up. And that keeps people from getting into the political arena. Well, remember the Kim Kardashian in Paris situation? I mean, you know, there's there's drugs, there's alcohol, there's social media running wild, like you're saying. It's insane personal stuff on the Internet and people making things up. Does that mean that because it's different now that all safety is gone and nobody is being held to account? It's plain notoriety. Is that what we're going through? Pretty much. I mean, look, I write about Elvis Presley, John Lennon, and, and Muhammad Ali, those essentially the 1960s and extending into the 70s a bit. No Internet back then. All right. No, no social media. All three of those men were crushed, lost control of their lives because they became so famous. Now, you don't even have to be near that level. All right. You can't go out of the house. There's a cell phone on you. Um, it is just insane what has happened. And so the uh, people and some of them can survive it. Some of them are strong enough to get through it. But many of them aren't. And unless you have a strong support system, Unless you have people who are really looking out for you, you're going down. Presley, Lennon, and Ali were all betrayed by people they thought were their friends or their family. All you're of right. them were betrayed. Your first, your first chapter, which I read and I couldn't put it down, was about Elvis, who'd been driving a truck and didn't seem to understand. What did he know? How, how did, what happened to Elvis? Well, Elvis Presley changes the culture in six minutes on the Ed Sullivan show. 
Yeah. And we went from a conformist post-World War II, uh, everybody looked the same, sounded the same, to a rebellious culture. And there's Elvis driving this with his swiveling hips and his uh, sneering and all the kids wanted to be like him. And then the pastors are saying that he's an agent of Satan. The parents are going nuts. Now, Elvis wins. The culture changes. And he becomes the highest paid, most sought after celebrity in the world. At the same time, he's managed by a thief, a crook, Colonel Tom Parker, who steals his money. But Elvis didn't want to engage. He didn't want, he was overwhelmed by what was happening to him. So he let Parker handle everything. And Parker was not looking out for Elvis. Parker was looking out for Parker because he was a degenerate gambler. And he was just taking his money and and putting him in vehicles where he shouldn't have been in and all of that. And it just blew. Elvis just lost control of his life. He was also not sophisticated, as so many of the people are. All of a sudden, they come up and they get betrayed by the people close to them that they thought they could trust. I understand that. But you do also, tell me, you do a lot of pages about Muhammad Ali, who who was unprepared and was never the same afterwards. What's the story with Muhammad Ali? Well, Ali was a... Let's see what word I'm going to use here. Ali was a civil rights hero. He elevated the African-American community because of his charisma and his athletic skill. But he decided to partner up with the Nation of Islam. Yeah. Elijah Mohammed. Yeah. And Elijah Mohammed's son, Herbert Mohammed, became Ali's manager. Yeah. He did the same thing that Parker did. He took all the money. But not only that, he put Ali in the ring when Ali should not have been fighting. In Manila, the Philippines, and yeah. you know these people, yeah. the Marcoses, yeah. hosted this big fight between Ali and Frazier. The thriller well, from Manila. Killed yeah. each other. They almost killed each other, literally killed each other. And the doctor, Ali's doctor, Ferdy Pacheco, said to Herbert Muhammad and the Nation of Islam, you can't put him back in the ring for a year. That's how damaged the man is. They said he's fighting in four months. And that was the beginning of the destruction of Muhammad Ali's brain. So when I write Killing the Killers, uh, I'm I'm sorry, when I write Killing the Legends, The Lethal Danger of Celebrity, it is lethal. His famous thriller from Manila fight against Joe Fraser almost killed him. And, And people stole him blind, and I know he was broken after that. I also have to ask you, you know, I can't go from person to person, but it's the book is so thrilling. Tell me some of these stars are isolated. What about Lennon? Well, that's what happened to Lennon. See, see, Yoko Ono didn't steal Lennon's money or that. Unlike, unlike Presley and Ali, 
It wasn't a financial thing with Lenin. Okay? Lenin, when he burst onto the scene in America in 1964 and changed the culture, the Beatles changed the culture into sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which we have today. They were the spear point for that. Lenin was a gregarious guy. He was social. He was, you know, people wanted to hang with John Lennon. All of a sudden, when he meets Yoko Ono, he's gone. He's in the Dakota. Nobody sees him. He doesn't see his son, Julian. He's isolated. Ono controls everything he does. And he becomes addicted to heroin. Are you kidding me? And that's what broke up the Beatles. The heroin. Nobody so, knows all this. But why would you do that? I guess because he was in such pain because the celebrity overwhelmed him. They turned to drugs. Elvis did. So, I mean, this is what, again, the lethal danger of celebrity. So, listen, it gets down to are human beings always supposed to be nobody and never try to be something? In your view, they're always to be nothing? No, you have to be prepared. If you want to enter the arena of fame, you have to understand what is likely going to happen and then prepare for that. So you have to find somehow people you can trust. And you have to be very, very skeptical of going to places that are going to hurt you or dealing with people who are going to hurt you. Look, I'll give you a very vivid example. You and I both know there are major celebrities that want their picture in a paper every day. Yeah, I know. Every day. Yeah, I know. Okay? That's not going to turn out well because you then become a cartoon. You're not a person. You're a thing that can be attacked and taken advantage of. But this fame thing is addictive in itself. So if you want to have it, it's almost like training for the Olympics. You've got to train your mind. You've got to be disciplined. And it's not an easy thing to do. Okay. What about your lifestyle? You're a celebrity. Tell me what you, what you do. Well, I learned the hard way. So when I was uh, coming up in my career, I wanted to be famous, but... Not because I wanted a mansion or a Ferrari. I don't care about those stuff. I wanted, like in Cheers, everybody to know my name and respect my work. But I never, ever considered the downside and the unintended consequences of spouting political analysis to the world on a daily basis. I didn't say, as I should have, hey, O'Reilly, you know, millions of people are going to hate you. And some of those people are going to try to hurt you and your family. And that's exactly what happened. And I got through it because I fought like hell and I changed. But I was never one, as you know, because you've known me a long time, to go to the parties or to hang out or to do that kind of stuff. I never did drugs in my life. I don't drink. I'm, I'm like boring. I'm the most boring guy in the world. But even so... I was shocked when they came at me, and I, I, but I changed everything. And now, I mean, you know, I pay millions of dollars to attorneys 
to protect me. If I see anything, boom. It's, uh, I'm not giving anybody the benefit of the doubt. I'm nice and respectful to people, but I can't sit in Yankee Stadium. I can't sit among the folks. I'd like to, but I can't. Uh, John David Chapman might be just right around the corner. He's the guy who killed Lennon. And it's not, I'm glad that I succeeded, but it's not the greatest lifestyle in the world. Well, the, the upside is you get the best table in a restaurant. But I do understand what you're saying. And I don't know where we're going and what the future is going to hold. Your book is terrific, Killing the Legends, The Lethal Danger of Celebrity. But I'm not sure it's going to cure the people who are eager. It's just not. No, but at least I've given them the truth. I've told them the truth. And that's my job. Well, I thank you. You're always telling everybody the truth. You now owe me dinner. I've had enough of you. And I'm going to get, the minute I hang up, I will get your 13th book by mail. I'm sure of it. I'm sure. <laughs> Thanks. Well, we're, we're working people over here. We work hard. So there'll be another killing book next year. And Thanks, I'm looking sweetie. forward to dinner because I know I'll get the best table if you're around. You'll also get the check. Thank you, honey. <laughs> okay, Cindy. Nice to talk to you. Bye. Bye. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com.